We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In this week's Rotowire Fantasy Football Top 10 Takeaways podcast, Nick and I are going to talk about how we're surprised about so many smash bots that went bad, some things that went well, at least for me, uh, and some things that not so well for Nick's teams this week. Stay tuned here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by the good folks from No House Advantage. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. Nick is on the wedding tour, uh, and he got back in time to do this pod and watch all the games on Sunday and all that came with that. Nick, welcome. What's going on? Oh, not much, man. Uh, busy week, like you said. Uh, I was out in Colorado for a couple days, did some hiking, played some golf, went to a wedding, had to, had to get back uh, for another wedding in Milwaukee on Saturday. So I'm dragging a little bit. Um, you know, went to bed very, very early uh, by my standards last night, but, uh, you know, working our way back to full strength and uh, looking forward to breaking down these games. I mean, for the second straight week, I, I think have gone from really bad to, to much worse for both the Jaguars uh, and the Packers, but uh, we'll, we'll unpack those. I think we need to talk Bears commanders though, first. Oh, well, as is off, the custom. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. So Bears commanders, you know, Hey, we saw the Colts and the Broncos. We're like, oh, what a disastrous game. Uh, and you know, Bears and Commanders said, okay, hold my old style here. Uh, you know, the Bears, come on. They moved the ball, at least. Uh, it, but the red zone uh, package is just atrocious. I mean, just disastrous results. A little unlucky, I mean, with the deflection. But Fields misses an open receiver. Two drops on the last sequence there. Just, I mean, they should have won this game. I mean, the touchdown they allowed was on a muff punt. I was right. all ready to mock the commanders for punting on fourth and one from midfield. But they're like, hey, we know Velas Jones, old man that he is, uh, is going to drop that punt again. And here we are. That That's our strategy. That is our offense. It turns out it was right. Had it not been for that muff punt, I think Chicago maybe does win this game. Um, yep. I, I mean, Washington could not do anything either. Uh, you know, both these teams, if there's – there's kind of a line where you know everybody's starting to make fun of these these primetime Thursday games, and you know the Broncos have been a, a feature in that, and you know they play again tonight, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, this game to me is actually really interesting because it was so poorly played. Like, there's a difference between like good defensive football and just like comical football on both sides of the ball, and that's what we got on Thursday night. And you know, almost any other team, any other situation, you know, when the Bears 
have that final drive. You know, Justin Fields has the long run, brings them all the way down to the five-yard line. Any other team finishes that off. You know, you got four plays from the five-yard line to punch that in. But I'm yep. sitting there watching that, and I'm thinking, like, there's no way that the Bears are getting this. Like, how could you have any faith in Chicago converting this when they've already thrown an interception inside the five-yard line? They, they already went out on downs on a fourth of goal earlier in the game. I mean, it's I, I felt bad for Justin Fields. I, I didn't necessarily feel like he was the issue in this game. Did have that bad miss in the first half, you know, on kind of a, a tight end, um, yeah, you know, riffing. real swing yeah. type of route where he easily should have hit that for a touchdown. But, man, I mean, this was this was an unbelievable game. Uh, really by both sides, but especially Chicago's. The lack of execution in the red zone, it's been an issue for a lot of teams, but not on this level. Yeah, and neither neither team can adequately protect the quarterback. Uh, I think that's one of the things. Fields is going to get just wrecked this year. He was he was hurting, you could tell. Uh, multiple times he got looked at. He was You, you could tell he was in a lot of pain. You, you know, he was a warrior for playing through it all. Uh, but you know, sometimes we get into this whole deify the player for playing hurt thing and that's how they get hurt worse, uh, mm-hmm. in the long run there. But yeah, it, it was, it was tough all around, uh, commanders. I mean, there's Carson Wentz had himself a weird week. You know, you have a coach that's saying basically throwing him under the bus, hinting that, uh, that he, it wasn't his choice. And then of course the coach denying that walking that back later, but playing like playing pretty awful in between. Uh, you know, they were, they're really, and, and didn't get it helped by his receivers. Curtis Samuel with a terrible drop, two drops on one series, but one yeah. was for a touchdown. I mean, yeah, that, that, that hurt too. Yeah. Samuel had a couple killer drops. Um, I mean, Washington just as usual could not really move the ball in this game. And, you know, every now and then they would, they would kind of break a big play. And that's kind of the entire offense at this point for Washington is like go three and out six times and then have one key drive that, that keeps you in the game. Um, I mean, at least in weeks past, you know, Wentz has been able to pile up some yardage. That certainly was not the case in this game. Just 12 completions for under 100 yards. Uh, like you said, both quarterbacks completely under siege the entire night. I mean, for, for a guy who's as mobile and quick and, and fast and strong as Justin Fields is, like the, the fact that he was sacked five times says a lot. You know, I think if it was a more statuesque quarterback, he might have been sacked eight or nine times in this game because he's, he's, he's consistently able to get out of sacks uh, that a lot of quarterbacks would take. So. That, off, that Chicago offensive line, you know, we talked about it coming into the year. Uh, I know it was Daniel Jeremiah called it like the worst line he's ever seen. Yeah, it held up better than I thought it would through the first couple of weeks. But I, I think, uh, you know, things are, are kind of coming home to roost a little bit uh, with this Bears team after a, a hotter than expected start with those two wins in the first three weeks. Yeah, well, it could have been three and three if they had just yeah. converted in the red zone. It's kind of crazy. Washington's pass rush is legit. That's the one good thing they have going for them on yeah. defense. I like how the coaching staff after the thing. We need to get Antonio Gibson more snaps. You know, guys, it's it's entirely under your control. Um, he got fifty. Yeah, that's snaps. that's the Matt Lafleur. We need to get Aaron Jones more snaps. Special. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Hey, they face Green Bay next week. So uh, your problem versus my problem game there. Yeah. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was telling everybody who would listen, like, oh, man, Packers, you know, everybody's down on them after some struggles early on, but they're going to be sitting at 6-1. and one. They got the Giants, the Jets, the Commanders in succession. They're not losing any of those games. I mean, Packers, Commanders in Washington next week, I think the Packers are like five-point favorites. I don't I don't know how you could confidently pick Green Bay to, to beat any team on the road right now. No, no, I, I don't think so. I think, although I, I'm going to argue that the Giants are better than people realize. It's I, I know every, and, and that's hard. Yeah. To, you know, it's it's weird to say that because they're five and one, um, mm-hmm. so the record stands for itself a little bit. And, but it, it, I think 
they're well coached. And I think that goes just a long, long way towards that. And I think their defense is better than people realize, mm-hmm. too. I think there's some pretty good defensive personnel on this team. Yeah, getting Kayvon Thibodeau back uh, has been a big deal. He made a huge, huge play at the end of that Baltimore game this past yep. week. I mean, I, that's I'm going to have to admit defeat. I, I really didn't think the Giants were a good team. I still don't think you know they're like a win a playoff game ceiling type of team, but they have to be taken seriously at this point. They really do. Um, you know, you could kind of make excuses for a lot of their other wins, but that was just a legitimate you know win by them against a really good Baltimore team. I, I loved Baltimore in that spot. I thought they were going to be the team that kind of reset the expectations for the New York Giants. So coming off that win against Green Bay um, to, to pile this one on top of it, I mean, it's, it's, it's astounding. I, I really, uh, Brian Dable, the way that he's coached this team, I mean, the results versus talent on this roster is about as stark as you're ever going to see, right? I mean, th- this is a yep. horrific group of skill position players outside of Saquon Barkley. You have a guy who we pretty much universally agreed was a well below average quarterback in Daniel Jones. And, and yeah, the defense is good, but it's not, it's not a great defense. You know, it's not like you have, um, you know, legitimate, you know, annual pro bowlers on this defense. I think the, I mean, this is as big of a, you know, just getting the most out of the talent uh, coaching job as we've seen in recent memory. I agree. I agree. Uh, there, and it helps that they're in the NFC. I mean, who's good in the NFC? Uh, I, I think the Eagles, Eagles, I think we can argue are good. I think the Cowboys are pretty good. All they have a, qu- a quarterback yeah. problem. Uh, we'll see uh, what happens when Dak comes back. Remember, Dak didn't look good last game. The, the Bucks just went on the road and lost to the Steelers, for crying out loud. Uh, the Niners went on the road and lost to the Falcons, right. who I've argued are better than, you know, at the beginning of the season, I argued they were better than the, the, their projected win total. But I didn't expect this. So we'll talk about that game. Right. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, there's the Giants. I mean, the Eagles are legitimately good. I, I, I'm convinced about that. Yes. The Vikings, I think, are pretty good. I mean, they got outgained by 200 yards yesterday against Miami. Right. Um, they they kind of stole that. I mean, if Jalen Waddle doesn't fumble, and I know we'll, I'm, we're previewing a lot of games, but I mean, that could have been ended a whole lot differently too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, in a row Minnesota where they they've kind of snuck out a win that they they tried to give away. Yeah, um, just a lot of mediocre teams in the NFL right now, and especially in the NFC. All right, let's let's keep on breaking down the games that were. And speaking of mediocrity, there's the Bengals and the Saints. Uh, because this was an, an interesting, weird game. Uh, the, the, the Bengals defense, you know, prior to this week had been really rock solid. Uh, I, I thought that, Hey, this is a, this is a legit defense. They had the hardest time getting off the field against the saints. Saints mm-hmm. were just converting every third down for a while. Andy Dalton was having a, a pretty solid game. Didn't ha- didn't help the Bengals that they fumbled on a punt return, setting up the first touchdown for the saints when they got a token stop. Uh, and then, you know, they kept a drive alive with a roughing the passer, which was the most ridiculous roughing the passer I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Trey Hendrickson hit Dalton, like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi after he hits him. I mean, it was so obvious <laughs> to call it. You don't touch it. It wasn't even a hard hit, but the fact is there was no, no reason to hit him period. Yeah. None. And they had their stop already. I mean, I think the pass was already incomplete by the time he hit him. Uh, just horrible, horrible play there, but the offense came alive. The offense finally, you know, was the narrative is Burrow to chase finally worked. Yeah. I think we saw what this offense can look like when T Higgins plays a full game, you know, Tyler Boyd is engaged. Jamar chase had the long touchdown uh, in the second half, kind of been waiting for that play. It feels like the entire season so far, I mean, seven for one thirty-two and two scores for Jamar chase. That is the guy uh, that, that fantasy managers have been expecting for these last five weeks. And this was easily Joe Burrow's. Best fantasy game of the year, yep. four total touchdowns, 300 yards, no picks, 
Uh, did only take three sacks. You know, found himself on the move quite a bit. I felt like every time this this game flashed to red zone, Joe Burrow, you know, was making a big run on a third down. Uh, had four for twenty five and and a rushing touchdown as well. But yeah, I mean, that Cincinnati defense did a great job limiting points. That's for sure. But yeah, giving up twenty two first downs, eight third down conversions. They at one point, Jeff, they gave up three consecutive fourteen play drives to the Saints, but all three of those ended in a field goal. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 it was a classic bend, but don't break. Um, the time of possession at one point was like 10 minutes in favor of the Saints they, and narrowed towards the end. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, I mean, the Bengals were a little lucky in this one too. I mean, the last play they could have, they kind of got away with what, what could have been a pass interference a little, but it was kind of an inadvertent feet got tangled up sort of thing there. Uh, you know, and the Saints, I mean, keep in mind, the Saints were start, starting Andy Dalton and they were down their top three receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Traquan Smith and Marquez Calloway and Juwan Johnson and uh, Rashid Shahid. Yes. Uh, Eli Apple was getting targeted big time. I mean, oh, yeah. Apple had one big hit, but for the most part, he was he was Toast Patterson out there. Um, so, you know, there, there's still some things that need to be worked out. Uh, Dalton got, I mean, not Dalton, Burrow got sacked three times, but he was pressured a lot of other times. Yep. Uh, he made this amazing escape on a third down where he, like, he kind of went Mahomes and just scrambled backwards, got out, made the completion uh, with the great scramble. He had the, the rushing touchdown. Great fantasy day for Andy Dalton. Huge fantasy day. A lot of third down conversion. So he, he I mean, for Joe Burrow, God, I'm going to just do that this whole segment uh, talking about this. <laughs> yeah, I, there. Say, I guess I guess by Dalton standards, maybe it wasn't so bad, but I wouldn't say it was a great fantasy day. No, yeah, Dalton uh, Burrow with a huge fantasy day. Dalton with a pretty solid real life day, toward, except for like the last two drives. Saints had a terrible punt on their penultimate drive. Uh, you know, they just shanked it, and that gave the Bengals field position. They scored the first play out after that, too. I was the 60-yard touchdown to Chase. Chase. It was good to see Chase get unlocked. He got the touchdown earlier. In fact, reporters were saying the team had more life in them after the first Chase touchdown. They're like, all right, this is us. Uh, and you can see that a little bit, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's really what's been missing from this Bengals offense. I mean, they've, they've been able to move the ball. They've kind of been able to nickel and dime their way down the field, but they haven't had those, you know, break a tackle and all of a sudden he's gone 60 yards down the sideline type of plays uh, that we saw from Jamar Chase in a huge spot in this game. Yeah. Right? I mean, this was when, you know, Cincinnati at, at that time, you know, couldn't quite get the stop that it needed, um, you know, to, to, to pull ahead in this game and, and really feel like it took charge. But yeah, that was the first play of a drive with under two minutes left in the game, you know, with Cincinnati uh, at that point trailing. So, I mean, it was, it could not have come in a bigger spot. Those are exactly the type of plays uh, that you're expecting from a guy like Jamar Chase. And all of a sudden now uh, sitting as the wide receiver six uh, that is heading into the Monday night game, of course, but uh, still, I mean, it, it, on a day when a lot of, uh, there wasn't a ton of like major fantasy production around the league, you know, relatively low scoring games everywhere you look a lot of the stars were, were relatively quiet. Jamar Chase, all the way, you know, knocking on the door of being a top five receiver again. Yeah. Bengals went away from the running game, even though it was relatively effective. Only 14 rushes, uh, two, four of which were by Burrow. Uh, so Mixon had eight yep. carries, but he did have the receiving touchdown. So it salvaged his fantasy day. Uh, Camaro ran really well. The Saints ran really yep. well. The Bengals missed DJ Reader in the middle of that uh, defensive line. Big time. Uh, he, he sets the tone for everything there. But uh, they... Now, all that said, I felt like they didn't get full use out of Camaro. They, you know, Taysom Hill was a problem, five for 39. They just didn't go to that that frequently. Hill had four passing attempts, too. So they, you know, he was in on a lot of packages. They just chose not to use him a ton on this one here. 
Um, all right. Before we move on to the next game, all of our podcasts are on the Blue Wire Network. Here's some ads from them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Thank you for indulging us with the Blue Wire ads. Uh, we thank Blue Wire for hosting our podcast. All right. Game to me that I, I got hella wrong. Uh, there was a lot of them this week, by the way. Uh, but uh, Niners and the Falcons. I mean, the Falcons jumped the Niners right away. Uh, it's 14 nothing before you knew it. Uh, Marcus Mariota had one of the most efficient days I've ever seen. 13 of 14 for 129 and two touchdowns, no picks. And he ran the ball not six times for 50 yards and a touchdown. They only threw the ball 14 times, but it didn't matter. They were winning the whole game. And that was that's exactly the formula Arthur Smith wants to see. Yeah, exactly. I, I think this was kind of the, the prototypical game for the Atlanta Falcons. They they controlled the controlled the ball early on, you know, got a defensive touchdown uh, on the fumble return early on. Yep. All of a sudden it's 14-nothing. And you just kind of felt, you know, even like the first and second quarter, it's like, man, I just I don't know if the four. Niners really have it uh, today. And, and obviously they stormed back. They did tie the game at 14, but to me, that was a, a, you know, kind of the biggest turning point is after the 49ers put together that, that second touchdown for Brandon Ayuk, that was kind of midway through the second quarter. You're thinking, all right, this is an inflection point for Atlanta. And what do they do? They put together an 11 play drive uh, against this San Francisco defense and then force another turnover before the half. And, and we should yeah. know, you know, tons of injuries all over the defense for the 49ers. This was not, uh, necessarily a full strength effort, but um, you know, kind of a, a pretty big letdown spot for a team that we felt really good about these last couple of weeks. You know, coming out of that game where they just they just bully the Rams. You know, they put together a pretty cohesive beatdown of Panthers last week. Um, and our our pal John McKechnie pointed this out to me. 
the 49ers stayed on the East Coast. You know, I kind of looked at this as like, man, you got to make consecutive trips all the way across the country. That could be a little bit of a, a letdown spot, but you can't even blame that. They didn't even go home. So yeah, just kind of a, a weird result for sure on a weekend full of weird results. But you know, that's kind of the thing that you know all the uh, the Packers fans who I've been talking to over the last 24 hours. It's like, yeah, things aren't good here, but the 49ers just lost by two touchdowns to the Falcons. The Buccaneers just lost at home to the Pittsburgh no, Steelers. It was the in Pittsburgh. A complete mess. It's like all, all the teams that we thought were good, including Green Bay, might not be good. Yeah, it was in Pittsburgh, by the way, the Tampa Bay game. Um, that oh, that was, was a road okay. game. Sorry, I thought yeah, it was at but home. nonetheless, I mean, okay. it was still they shot the bed. Um, I mean, there's yeah. no doubt about it. There. I mean, the big disappointment for me was Jeff Wilson in this game. Seven for twenty-five. Yeah. He lost that killer fumble. Fumble. Big. Uh, just huge, huge fumble there. Uh, they couldn't get the running game going, and I think they just. I think what happened is no Trent Williams. They just Atlanta is just like okay, you're not going to beat us running the ball. We're going to make Jimmy G beat beat us and. You know, he had those two big plays. Uh, you Kittle got his, uh, you know, eight for 83, but they they had these drives and they couldn't convert. I mean, Jimmy G threw for nearly 300 yards, but they just couldn't convert when they needed it most. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the rewatch in this game just to see, okay, what exactly went wrong? How, did they, how can they get around this here? I'm sure they're going to be watching a lot of film here too. Uh, if you're, it, it, if I think if you've been holding on to Elijah Mitchell for this long, keep holding uh, because... I think that you can see that Jeff Wilson's fine, but Mitchell is a different level of back when he's healthy. It's just the problem is when healthy is the huge, huge caveat in his life. Yeah. And it looked like Jeff Wilson stock on the way up after a good couple of weeks before this, but yeah, losing that fumble. I mean, that is a, that's a pretty good way uh, to land in the doghouse. And, and that was a killer uh, for the 49ers. But I mean, bottom line, it's like nice day for Brandon. Ayuk, eight for 83, two touchdowns, George Kittle, had his most productive game as well. Kind of got the usual from Debo Samuel, although he did not get in the end zone. If you're the 49ers, you do not want Jimmy G throwing the ball 41 times. Like you're yeah. not going to win many games when that's the result. It's like Joe Flacco throwing it 50 times. You just, that's <laughs> exactly. not a formula for success. Just don't do that. Yes. Not, not for this team. No. Yeah. Caleb Huntley was just as active this week as Tyler Algier on the running game. Neither mm -hmm. were all that great. They averaged less than four yards per carry each of them. Avery Williams snuck in a couple of carries. I mean, honestly, they didn't do a whole lot offensively. I mean, they had a couple of sustained oh. drives when they needed it. And, you know, there was only seven points between the two teams in the second half. It was mostly a defensive fest in the second half. Yeah, it was it was the turnovers. I mean, 3-0 turnover margin for Atlanta. And I think, you know, returning one of those for a touchdown, uh, that was huge. You know, getting that stop before the half with the interception, also massive. I think that was the biggest difference. Um, you know, in terms of other fantasy notes, like, we got to talk about Kyle Pitts, who did get in the end zone, but still, man, three catches on three targets for only 19 yards. Uh, was out snapped in this game by fellow tight end Parker Hesse. That's not this a great. They're running the ball, and, and Hesse they want to block, and Pitts is not right. a blocker. Exactly, exactly. I mean, he's he's still out there in, in passing situations, but you know, only played uh, just over half of the total offensive snaps. I mean, it's. It's just it just continues to be a disappointment, you know. I, I don't even with the touchdown, I don't really feel any differently about him. Yeah, well, I mean, I, it's it's really all a game script thing. If they're trailing, you got a chance. Uh, yep. But if they're playing with the lead, this is they they don't want to throw. Period. Uh, they they they're on the road against Cincinnati next week, so we'll see about that. Uh, in theory, they should be trailing. You would think, yeah, you would think. I mean, it's it's been it's kind of a. A, an interesting dynamic where it's like if the Falcons are playing well, that means that Kyle Pitts probably isn't doing very much. Um, but you know, like right. 
I, I don't know. I, maybe we didn't think too much into the game script, you know, factor when we when wrote a wire as a company, you know, personally aligned itself with Kyle Pitts during the preseason. But right. um, I, I just, I, I, don't, I mean, the Falcons just look like they're going to continue to be really frisky the rest of the year. They, they don't appear all that interested in, in like trying to tank for Bryce Young or, or CJ Stroud or any of that. And with as much parity as there appears to be really in both conferences, you know, with the exception of like four or five teams, you know, there's not a, there's not a lot of like obvious situations where you could say, oh, the Falcons will for sure be trailing in this game. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, it's the formula is working. We want to complain, but they're yeah. three and three, and exactly. they could have well, won two of their next four are against the Panthers too, and and that yeah. and then the Bears, the Commanders, and the Steelers after that. So uh, not not a ton of scripts where you, you project the Falcons to be down by double digits in the second half. And they, wasn't their total like at five, uh, five and I a think half? It was five and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Five and Interesting. A half. All right. Pats, Browns. This is kind of a beatdown. Uh, 38 15. Yeah. And it never, never really was close. I mean, you know, the Browns, again, speaking of formulas you don't want to have, Jacoby Brissett throwing the ball 45 times. You know, mm-hmm. they, and, and, and committing to killer, killer turnovers too. Two interceptions. Uh, he got sacked four times. They, they, he lost a fumble. Uh, it, it just really was about Chester Rogers fumble to kick return. And yeah, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for showing up today. I mean, that was late, so that didn't really matter, but mm-hmm. they, they didn't get Chubb untracked at one point it was nine for 23, 27. They got, he got a late 18 yard run. He only had 12 carries though. I mean, mm-hmm. the formula for the Browns is, is, is Atlanta esque. They need to run the ball a ton and they just, they couldn't get off the field and they couldn't sustain drives. I mean, the past just said, okay, Brissett, beat us if you can. Form it was a Brissett revenge game, too. I guess the revenge yeah. was had by the Pats, though. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a, a familiar opponent, Jacoby Brissett, uh, for Bill Belichick and that staff. And that, that certainly looked to be the case. I mean, this is the second straight week where it felt like New England went into somewhat of a 50-50 game. You know, the Lions had some steam going into last week's contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're starting Bailey Zappi for both of these games. So you're, you're just kind of thinking like, man, I don't really know what to expect. And for the second week in a row, I mean, this was a wire to wire beatdown by New England, maybe not quite as dramatic as last week. And it should be noted that the Browns had a chance to make this interesting. I think it was early in the fourth quarter that they got a touchdown on the board and they missed yeah. the two point conversion that would have cut it to a seven point game. And at that point, it kind of felt like, all right, New England's going to control the ball and, and take care of business, which they ultimately did. But had, had Cleveland been able to convert that two point, I think it might have gotten interesting um, I mean, Bailey's happy, fantastic in this game, 24 of 34, 309 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, uh, only took two sacks against that Cleveland defensive line. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson didn't necessarily pile up the yardage, uh, but ripped off a late touchdown. I mean, 19 for 76 and two scores. You're very happy with that, of course, on the day uh, with no Damian Williams. And, you know, at receiver kind of continues to be, you know, that, that, that kind of rotating door. You don't know if it's going to be Devontae Parker, who's their leading receiver this week. You don't know if it's going to be Kendrick Bourne. He didn't really do much at all. But both Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith getting in the mix. 61 yards apiece, and Henry yeah. also getting in the end zone. On everybody's waiver wire after we drafted, after we dropped him, though, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. At least I uh-huh. dropped him in the places where I had him. Uh, it was a bad week to for the faded tight ends. I mean, to fade tight ends that we were in, because Kasiki went nuts. Uh, mm-hmm. And Hunter Henry scored, so it's like uh, now they do it after I've given up on him. But I was, that's, I was that's the tight ends you, in a nutshell. Yeah, I was thinking about you watching that Mike Kosicki gritty, and I'm just thinking, man, you know, if only Jeff Erickson could benefit from this. Yeah, the Vegas League, I think I've had and dropped both Kosicki and Henry, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I, and no, you had Henry in that league, so you probably dropped him or 
Yeah, I, I either I either dropped him or have not been starting him. I can assure you of that. Yeah, but uh, you know, Ramondre Stevenson wasn't super efficient, only four yards a carry, but the two touchdowns will pay the bills, so he he was fine. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, two touchdowns, and and I like that he was out. He ran routes. I think uh, seventy six percent of the pass plays he was running routes, so you like mm -hmm. seeing that. Uh, and you know, three carries, and so they're fine. He he adds a dimension the other receivers couldn't bring. Uh, so I think even when Aguilar comes back, Thornton has a role with mm -hmm. this team. I think so too. And I mean, Aguilar's had some monster, you know, mistakes over these last couple of weeks as well. So I, I think he'll, you know, he probably gets one or two more chances to, to be that guy, but even when he's back, I mean, he's, he's, he might be one more fumble or, or one more big drop that leads to an interception uh, mm -hmm. away from, from kind of a slight demotion, which has kind of followed him throughout his career. And, and yeah, like I said, I mean, seeing Tyquan Thornton get three carries to me, that's huge. You know, New England has not really had a guy like that in a while. Um, and I, I think that's kind of what this offense is missing, but um, overall for me, I'm just really impressed with Bailey Zappi. And I, I think we thought this offense yeah. would have to be really limited under Zappi. I mean, I, it, it kind of seemed like after that Packers game, it's like, all right, they're going to have to go into a shell. They're just going to be pounding the ball every single game until Mac Jones is healthy. I mean, in, in no world did I see Bailey Zappi throwing for 300 plus yards. And I mean, this Cleveland defense, uh, certainly not will be expected. That's for sure. I mean, they were without Denzel Ward in this game that they, they were without Genevieve and Clowney, but still, man, I mean, it's uh, Bailey Zappi's good, but at the end of the day, it's Bailey Zappi. You can't be letting this guy throw for 300 yards on 24 completions. Yeah. Oh, I, what I think kind of happened here is that they knew Cleveland knew that they had a big problem stopping the run. And I think they overcompensated for that or, or compensated mm -hmm. for that. Maybe not overcompensated, but compensated for that figure is their best chance kind of like force Zappy to beat you kind of like the Patriots are going to force Brissett to beat you kind of like yep. other teams are going to force Jimmy G to beat you. I mean, there you say about 10 different quarterbacks, maybe more mm -hmm. uh, right now uh, that, you know, the quarterback's not going to hurt us. So until prove until he proves that he can, well, he proved that he could. So mm -hmm. there you go. I mean, there, and there was a lot of run after the catch for this game too. I mean, Myers made it a big play. Parker had a big play. Johnu Smith had a big play yeah. um, that they had all this whole time, but this was, this was a beatdown. Uh, Cleveland, this is the first game where you can't walk, where you can't say, oh, they, they could have won this game. This, this one, yeah. I mean, yeah, they got to they, a missed two point conversion away from being down seven. O almost recovered the onside kick, ruled it illegal touching on that, but it's still, they would have mm -hmm. been down two scores after that onside kick. When you have to recover an onside kick to be part of your within one score thing, yep. I mean, it shows you're really not that close. Uh, yeah, before we exactly. move on to the next game, uh, let's do a no, uh, note from our friends at No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play and pick them contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders and individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHA Wire. That's NHA Wire at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You want, want, you don't want to miss out on this. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We're breaking down week six, our top 10 takeaways. All right, let's, let's, Deal with the, the bad stuff here. We're going to go back to back, unfortunately, with you here. 
As these are the next two games listed in box score wise on ESPN. I promise I'm not trying to make it to you do Packers and Jags double, daily daily double, but let's do it anyhow. Jets Packers. Oh my God, the Packers look like a disaster. I mean, they at no point was their offense like okay, this is the better team on the field. I didn't feel that way at all. Now I, I'm going to do the rewatch and see if I'm my uh, my instincts are wrong about this, but I, I I felt like the whole game their offense was doing nothing. Yeah, um, I mean, I watched this one from start to finish here. Of, of course, had that on locally uh, in Milwaukee, and uh, what what you saw, you know, and in, in, in flashing into the game is exactly what it was. I mean. Aaron Rodgers very nearly threw a pick six on the first series of the game. Um, luckily, it was it was called back, and the ball just barely hit the ground before uh, ricocheting off the hand of Robert Tunyon and, and into the hands of Sauce Gardner. So even though it was called off, it just felt like a really bad omen to, to be in this game. Uh, the backers, of course, end up going three and out. That was on third down. They punt anyway. Um, and it, they just had no juice. They had no juice whatsoever for the third straight week. And they were really lucky, yeah. I think, to escape that game against the Patriots a few weeks ago with a win. Um, even last week against the Giants, you know, they did open up a 17 to three lead before completely shutting it down. But I mean, this was just a, a wire to wire, um, you know, terrible effort uh, really on both sides of the ball. I mean, in the first half, Packers only allowed a field goal to the Jets, but the defense completely fell apart in the third quarter. And, and the offense at no point ever got it going. Um, you know, it's just some sloppy play, you know, a missed handoff uh, between Rodgers and AJ Dillon, just a ton of three and outs. This offense appears completely broken and, the obvious difference between this year and last year is that they don't have Devontae Adams. And that's a big deal, but I don't I don't think removing Devontae Adams makes you go from like Super Bowl favorite in your conference to all of a sudden you're you know taking embarrassing losses to the Jets and the Giants in back-to-back weeks. Like to me, the the issues are much much deeper seated than just you know not replacing Devontae Adams. Yeah, that's right. You know, the Jets scored that touchdown to go up 10-3, and then immediately after got the block punt touchdown. Um, and that, yep. that kind of ended the game. I mean, the, the Packers did get it to 17-10, but the Jets then were able to drive again. I think it was just the defense got worn down. I mean, the Jets didn't, you know, you look at the Jets' total numbers. I mean, you know, Wilson only threw for 110. Another team mm-hmm. that didn't doesn't want to throw the ball as much. You know, it, it's, we're starting to see like, oh, don't have your mediocre quarterback throw it 50 times? <gasps> what a great idea. We have this stud running back. Let's give mm-hmm. it to him. Yeah, weird, strange. Um, you know, it, it, but and, and the Packers just could I mean, they, the Packers couldn't pass against the Jets. Every team passes against the Jets. Yeah. Absolutely. And here's here's something. I mean, you mentioned Green Bay getting that punt blocked. I mean, that that felt like kind of the death knell. They also had a field goal blocked earlier in yeah. the game. Um, yeah, I, I I don't want to be in the room when Rich Basaccia uh, has his special teams meeting this week. I don't think that's going to go well for anybody. But the Packers also blocked a Jets punt in this game and yeah. to, to, to kind of give you a, a pretty good summary of where this Packers offense is at. They, they block a punt, they get the ball at the 36 yard line of the jets and that drive ends in a punt. They end up losing eight yards and punting after getting that, that huge break. I mean, that, that to me is pretty emblematic of where this team is at. I mean, you, you get a huge momentum yeah. shift. You're at home. It feels like, all right, this is the play we need it. We're set up well here and you go three and out and punt. I mean, it was, it was that kind of day. It was, it was. And they're, they're in a bad spot right now. Uh, I, I don't know what to do to figure this out, you know, if, you know how they can figure it out. I mean, I, I, some of this has to be put on Rodgers. I, I, oh, it's absolutely. not just taking, it's not just taking away Adams. I, I think Rodgers is a lesser version of himself right now. Absolutely. I mean, accuracy wise, it's, it's not there. decision-making wise. Um, and I, I think he's also, he's suffering from kind of the same 
uh, issues as Russell Wilson, where I think his escapability, and obviously he's much older. You shouldn't expect to be able to escape sacks, but I mean, he's taking sacks that two, three years ago, he just wasn't taking, you know, he was either able to step out of it. He had maybe better awareness to, to get rid of the ball. Um, I mean, there were a couple of like Matt Ryan type of sacks on Aaron Rodgers in this game where he just kind of turtled up and, and had to take it. Um, the offensive line was also pretty rough. I mean, this was pretty easily the worst game. I think Elton Jenkins has ever played in the NFL. He was a huge, huge yeah. liability for them uh, all afternoon. That was a part of it, but it, it just felt like a total letdown. I mean, this is now the, the fourth or fifth time after the game where Matt LaFleur is saying, yeah, we, we got to do a better job getting Aaron Jones touches. Uh, well, he had nine carries in this game and he had three receptions. I, I don't think 12 is enough. AJ Dillon, you know, continues to be a huge, huge letdown. I was all over AJ Dillon as kind of an RB2, RB3, uh, kind of late to mid to late round guy you could get at an affordable price. He's been a, a complete disaster all season. Uh, I looked this up this morning. He has three broken tackles on the year, uh, just not running really wow. with the force that you would expect uh, from, from someone of that size. I mean, his, his effectiveness year over year uh, is, is just way down, especially compared to last season. So that's part of it. But yeah, man, it's it's really, really tough right now. And I, I think the one, the one like somewhat silver lining uh, that maybe like the copper lining that you could put out there for the Packers is look, this team faced no adversity whatsoever in the regular season, the last two years. And then when they faced adversity in the playoffs, they completely folded. So if you want to make the argument that, Hey, maybe it's good for them. Maybe they need something like this, um, you know, to, as kind of a catalyst for this regular season that sure I, I could buy into that argument, but you need to prove that you could bounce back because right now this kind of feels like a runaway train where, you know, they got, they got the commanders next week. You, you feel relatively good about winning that game uh, given the circumstances. But after that, you got to go play the Buffalo bills on Sunday night football. And, and as of right now, I mean, that looks like it could be a huge embarrassment. Yeah. Um, although I will say one thing we've learned, it's a week-to-week reshuffle. Um, you know, as we as some of the games that we're about to talk about, you know, they, they can figure things out or they can compensate accordingly. Um, and maybe that'll that'll change things a little bit there. But, yeah, rough, rough result. Indy and Jacksonville. This is a game that, I mean, for, the, for three quarters, this was the Jags game. Uh, I, I, for the most part, I mean, it was a back and forth. It was 14, 13 and a half, but the Jags felt in control. Trevor Lawrence played his, his butt off here. 20 of 22 did get sacked four times, but you know, he, it was a mistake free game for Trevor Lawrence and you you can't ask much more than that. They came out lacking though. They, they let Matt Ryan throw all over him. Um, and that's not something I expected to see. Deion Jackson was a force until he got hurt with the quad injury and, It'll probably be if you missed out on the Deion Jackson window, it's probably too late. Not because everyone's going to ground, but because he's hurt now. And Taylor will probably be back sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said it well, man. I mean, great, uh, offensively, Jacksonville, I thought, played fairly well. <clears throat> Excuse me. We, we saw a, a pretty conservative game plan. I mean, you see Lawrence 20 of 22 for 165. That absolutely checks out. It was a ton of short passes. It was a ton of screens. Yeah. I, I think they saw what happened the last couple of weeks, and they, they kind of needed a confidence builder type of game for Trevor Lawrence and he played well he he executed but they weren't asking him to do nearly as much as they were the last couple of weeks so I'm I'm still a little bit hesitant on Lawrence I mean this was another game much like Green Bay where he was not helped at all by the offensive line Um, this has not been a a great Colts defense by any means but they were consistently able to get to Lawrence in this game Uh, for the second straight week you know didn't didn't see a whole lot from James Robinson you know it was it was Lawrence running in the two touchdowns and then Jermichael Hasty rips one off uh, for a long touchdown run at that point, the Jags were up 14 to three. I'm feeling great Think You know, Matt Ryan's not really doing much at that point, but really from like the middle of the second quarter on, they just could not get stops 
whatsoever. And, you know, Trayvon Walker had another really bad penalty on a third and long on the drive that ended up turning into the go-ahead touchdown for the Indianapolis Colts late in that game. But, man, you, you, it's one thing to give up 389 yards to Matt Ryan on 58 attempts. Like, that's fine. You, you kind of want Matt Ryan throwing the ball 58 times at this right. point in his career. But you don't force a turnover, and you don't get a single sack on Matt Ryan, like what? What is the most sackable player defense? in the NFL? The, I mean, he, he, he didn't even fumble. I mean, he's he's now like he's losing steam if he's going to try to break that fumbles record. I, I don't know how you. I mean, it, it, no sacks is one thing, but like he was barely under pressure, man. I, I watched this whole game all day to throw. You know, especially in even in these obvious passing situations, um, I, I thought the Jaguars' defense is is really what let them down. I mean, we're three yeah. weeks removed from the Jaguars shutting out this team in Jacksonville, and you know, to allow thirty four points to an offense that. A week and a half ago, it looked like it might be a bottom three unit in the league. Uh, really, really disappointing. And the Jaguars defense that I thought had some potential, and they were yes. a streamer this week, and Big time. Know, I streamed them for no points. So that was yeah. fun. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that really hurt. Um, they get the Giants this upcoming week. So, again, another sackable quarterback, but, you know, I can't I, – they're out of my trust, circle of trust. They're out. Well, they're they're absolutely out. They are they are in bad team until proven otherwise territory. Um, I just I, I feel like a fool for buying in on this team after the Chargers game. I, I truly <laughs> truly thought uh, that they yep. might actually be a good team, and the defense was a big reason for that. Uh, I I really thought this was like a, a playmaking defense that they attacked you. Um, even in that Eagles game, you know they started with a pick six. I, I thought they played the Eagles pretty well, uh, but man, things have have come crashing down in a real hurry for this team. That is for sure. And I mean, this was such a classic, same old Jaguars game. You know, you're giving up third downs, you're, you're having killer penalties, you're taking sacks when you absolutely can't take sacks. I mean, they, yeah. they the Colts were 10 of 15 on third down in this game. I mean, that is completely unacceptable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of that uh, across the league. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, penalties were a killer there. And I, yeah, I did see like some killer, killer ones. It wasn't the volume. There's only four for 44. It's just when yeah. they did it. Oh, uh, yep. and that's, that's, that's always rough. Um, yep. so yeah. Uh, other, other noteworthy things. ETN looked good again. Really good. Very good. Yeah. Just, yeah. He looked great in this game. Place. He, uh, he apologized on Twitter, uh, to his fantasy managers for not finishing off, uh, that long run that he had in the second quarter, but yeah, he looked yeah. great in this game. It's kind of the second straight week now where, yeah, the Jaguars overall have kind of struggled, but he stood out, uh, you know, James Robinson started to slow down a little bit and, and 10 carries. For ETN, I felt I feel like they they felt like they needed a little bit more explosion in this offense. And between he and Hasty, they they certainly got it. Uh, I continue to feel good about him. You know, rest of the season, I, I think he's going to continue to pick up steam. But um, kind of interested to to see where things go for James Robinson because this is the second straight week now where it feels like they've wanted to establish him. Uh, he's been you know a lot of the reason that they had success early on. But um, you know, as we saw yesterday, they're they're kind of willing to go away from him if it seems like he doesn't have it right away. Yeah, I think so. I mean, ETN's got the burst in Robinson that Robinson doesn't have, yeah. but ETN makes the mistakes Robinson doesn't make. So that that's the trade-off exactly. there. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, this question uh, almost evenly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, I question whether they're you know how they're going to handle it in the future, but he, he's just like an ascendant rookie. I treat him like that. Mm -hmm. Eventually, he's going to get more and more work. Uh, he just has to. I think for this offense to be more dynamic, they have to. A little bit there. Uh, Kevin asked a question about Aaron Jones. Uh, we were talking about the Packers earlier. Would you trade Aaron Jones for Damian Pierce? Pierce has already mm -hmm. had his buy. I don't think there's a workload concern with him. But, it, man, I mean, this is your second-round pick at worst or maybe even yeah. late first for a guy that 
we were saying was a reach in the fourth round. Now, you know, more likely a fifth round guy, but you know, Pierce is clearly taken over in Houston. What do you think? Well, I mean, Pierce ranks higher thus far in terms of average fantasy points per game. He's averaging about two more in PPR formats than Aaron Jones. So this is, I mean, it's a legitimate question. It's not one that you hope you'd have to be asking yourself if you're an Aaron right. Jones manager, but it is legit. I, I still think I would stick it out with Aaron Jones. I, I would, I, I just, maybe part of it is just the level of investment that, you know, personally you, you don't really feel great about punting on that. Um, you know, I mean, the Texans offense and the Green Bay offense, those are fairly comparable at this point, given what yeah. we've seen from Green Bay this Which season. Is just so, such a sad statement. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I guess part of me wants to trust Matt LaFleur when every single week he says we need to do a better job of getting the ball to Aaron Jones. Maybe at some point they will actually do that. Uh, if they do, I, I still think he's the higher-end option. But, yeah, man, it, I mean, it's it's crazy that this is a legit question. But I would still – I'd stick with Jones, but it, it's close. I mean, I wouldn't fault you if you went the other way. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Uh, I think I would stick with Jones too, uh, but it, it, the fact that it's a question set speaks volumes. All right. Exactly. Minnesota and, and Miami, Minnesota improves to five and one. I, and yet Nick, I still don't know how good they really are. Second straight week where, you know, they, they come out with a win. They're sitting at five and one um, that they, they kind of extend their lead on the Packers in the division. I think we could pretty much hand the division to Minnesota uh, at this point with what we've seen from green Bay, but Chance yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they uh, they begged Chicago to get back into this game last week and, and kind of needed a, a fluky play to really put them away. And same thing this week. You know, it's Skylar Thompson slash Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I, I have no idea how Teddy Bridgewater ended up, you know, being allowed to come into this game. Apparently he was concussed enough to not start, but uh, not quite concussed enough to not play at all. Um, but he throws for over 300 yards on this Minnesota defense and – um, you know, Minnesota didn't even score in the first quarter. Like they, you know, their first four drives uh, were three and out punts. Uh, so it took a while to get going. And, you know, it, it does feel like they've, they've kind of had every single game. There's been a point where it can go one way or the other. And with the exception of that Eagles game, they, they found ways uh, to win against the Lions, Saints, Bears and Dolphins. But yeah, like you said, none of them have felt as convincing as they should. Some fun stats from this game. Total offensive yards. 458 for Miami, 234 mm-hmm. for Minnesota. Penalties, though, 10 for 97 for Miami, just two for 20 for Minnesota. And of course, three turnovers for Miami, zero for Minnesota. So this game was about mistakes. Jalen Waddle with that middle of the field, really kind of an unforced fumble there, was a killer play. They yeah. were driving and that at that point in time, had a chance to go ahead and take the lead. Um and they put the ball on the ground. That was a killer. Uh, yeah, and, and Bridgewater. So here's the thing. Bridgewater cleared concussion protocol over the weekend, I think. He had a full practice on Friday. But they said they wanted to go with Thompson because Thompson was going to get the reps on Wednesday, Thursday. They wanted to have some certainty. The Dolphins being this, flat, you know, the focal point of this concussion scrutiny, they knew that everything had to be perfect before Bridgewater was going to be allowed to play. And sure enough, that's what happened. Also, uh, Miami got sacked six times in this game, too. So it was all those, like, you know, you look at the total scoring, you're like, total yards, you're like, how the heck did this happen? And it's sacks, turnovers, and penalties. Okay, got it. Got it. That's what happened. Uh, but, yeah, uh, you know, Minnesota, I mean, they, they didn't move the ball all that well. Uh, Justin Jefferson, we were getting frustrated with him, had that big 47-yard play to kind of salvage his day, but he didn't get in the end zone. Six for 107, though. That'll be enough to pay the bills. Uh, but you know, it was Thielen that got the touchdown and the two point conversion. 
Uh, you're like, just, just throw me a bone here with Jefferson, but nope, didn't get that. Dalvin cook with a nice touchdown run, uh, salvaged his day. You know, he, he had a 53 yarder and then mm-hmm. on his other carries, he was 12 for 24. So he could, he barely got on track. Uh, yeah. The offense didn't do much, uh, but they did enough. Now they're on by and they get to wait. Yeah. And that long run for Dalvin cook came immediately after the Jalen Waddle fumble. So the game yeah, was basically right. over at that point. And, and that fumble, I mean, it occurred inside the Minnesota 30. Like at the very least, Miami was looking at a, a field goal attempt to trim it to three with about eight or nine minutes left. And, and then you kind of, who knows from there. Uh, but yeah, so to have the fumble and then two plays later, Dalvin Cook rips off that touchdown. The, the game was essentially over at that point. And then Teddy, uh, just for good measure, made, made sure to throw uh, one last interception. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Minnesota's been confusing. They're, they're lucky to be sitting at five and one in a lot of ways. I still don't really know how to evaluate Miami either because, you know, they're only yeah. a few weeks away from, uh, you know, beating a, a really good Bills team at home. They were the talk of the league at that point, and it, it really feels like this Tua situation has kind of temporarily derailed their entire season. It, it really has, and he might he's probably going to be back next week. Um, mm-hmm. So, because he was practicing this week. Uh, it's just, again, they're being hyper-conscious of everything yep. there and being super safe. Uh, Miami was 3-0, and now they're 3-3. and and they get, but they host Pittsburgh in the Sunday night game. So we'll get to see them on a national stage, no less. Can't wait for that one. Yeah. Although, I mean, Pittsburgh's got a little juice now, uh, you know, whether it's Pickett yeah. or Trubisky uh, under center. I mean, this offense is, is kind of opened up. We finally got the, the Chase Claypool uh, reemergence, but uh, yes. maybe this is our natural, maybe this is our natural transition over to Buck Steelers. Sure. Let's go for it there. Why not? Um, okay. This is one of two, like, what the heck happened games for me? Because mm-hmm. this one in Seattle, Arizona, I, I just, I, I was aggressively wrong on how this would go. Um, Pittsburgh had like all sorts of attrition in their secondary. Um, they, they've been playing so badly. Uh, and yet they were winning most of the game. Uh, and, you know, Tampa had their light, late chance to try to tie in the two point conversion. That's about it. Uh, the, the, you know, Brady just didn't get untracked. You know, you see him on the sideline yelling at the team. He only targeted Mike Evans four times. I, you know, he's four for 42. He, maybe throw to him a little bit more. I don't know. Just that it, it's kind of the Aaron Jones of the Bucks. Yeah, I uh, did not see this one coming at all. I, I made this my my best bet in staff picks. Uh, I obviously don't feel great about that at all, especially in light of Dalton making the Steelers his best bet. I, I don't know what he knew in this game, but this was such an obvious, like, get right spot for Tampa Bay. And man, I mean, this is, this is just as concerning as what's going on with the Green Bay Packers, right? I mean, I, 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 Tampa, you got Chris Godwin back. Mike Evans is healthy. Leonard Fournette is healthy. And, you know, you still can't move the ball on a Pittsburgh Steelers team that doesn't have TJ Watt and did not have Minka Fitzpatrick for this game. So I I think it's one thing to, you know, to allow 20 points to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a completely different scenario for this Bucks offense to not even get to 20 points in this game. And, and like you said, this was on the road. I, I, I was thinking it was at home for some reason that maybe makes it slightly more excusable, but man, these are just not the type of games that a Tom Brady quarterback team loses. No, no, it's not. I will say this. Mike Tomlin is a very good coach. Uh, I know yes. he gets, you know, I, I think, you know, some, some people want to discount his track record because he's had a quarterback all of his, his career. He's had Ben, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't know, man, uh, this is like, he had them ready. You know, it's the first game they've won without TJ Watt. Uh, I think they were 0 and 8 prior to that, uh, prior to this game without TJ yep. Watt, but they got through it somehow. They lost their quarterback in the middle of the game. Pickett suffered a concussion. 
Pickett was terrible, by the way. Um, 11 for 18. Okay, that looks okay. 67 yards. It was, you know, you thought Ben Roethlisberger was a checkdown artist. You know, Pickett was 11 for 18 with 67. I mean, that's that's hard to do. 3.7 yards per attempt. Uh, they got by, though, uh, with that. Pickett did have two scrambles for 16 yards. That helps. Trubisky came in through a game-winning touchdown, essentially, there to, to Claypool, which I you do like to see Claypool come alive a little bit. Yeah, that was nice to see. Uh, unfortunately, it, it somewhat came at the expense of George Pickens, who did absolutely nothing in this game mm-hmm. after some encouraging flashes over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, really, it was it was third downs. Like the Tampa Bay defense could not get off the field when it needed to, especially in that final drive of the game. Pittsburgh, I think, could, uh, you know, converted two really big third downs to essentially put this one away. Seven of fifteen on third down with Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett at quarterback. Uh, that's certainly not going to cut it for that defense. Um, you know, fantasy wise, kind of a disastrous day. Uh, I have my, you know, my, my hallowed Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin stack in one league disaster, yeah. just complete disaster. You're getting the yards for Brady, but that's about it. Uh, the touchdown goes to Fournette through the air in this game. I mean, he continues to be just a, a huge aggregator 21 for 63 on the ground, super inefficient day, uh, but six for 38 and the touchdown through the air is kind of keeping his fantasy stock alive. I mean, Tampa Bay in the, the red zone couldn't get anything going at all. I mean, that's where Tom Brady typically is so, so good. And I'm kind of starting to buy this narrative that they, they really miss having an elite tight end in these spots. I mean, they were, they ran 17 plays on, on just two drives alone. They had two long field goal drives in this game. They ran 17 plays inside the Pittsburgh 15 yard line and could not get a touchdown. Yeah. Brutal, brutal. So, and, and time of possession was equal. Yards were relatively equal. You know, this was an equal game. But the Bucs were nine and a half point favorites. It shouldn't have been an equal game. Uh, and it, it climbed as the week went on. You know, everybody was trying to pile on. No Minka Fitzpatrick. Okay, there's another point. Let's do it. Um, but mm-hmm. it didn't happen. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it's it, they have to kind of figure things out pretty quickly here, uh, the Bucs do. And, you know, they, they uh, this week, uh, what do they do? They've got on the road against Carolina. Theoretically, a get-well game, but we've seen some – you know, theory versus reality has changed a lot of times. Saints were supposed to get well at Carolina, and it didn't happen. So mm-hmm. you never know. Yeah, I mean, All Carolina right. looked pretty frisky even for half of that game against the Rams this week. I mean, the the, the PJ Walker experience was not great, but no. uh, even in the first half, I mean, they put up a fight. Yeah, they did. We'll talk a little bit more about that game. Still got a couple more. Uh, we still have uh, Baltimore, the Giants. Still got uh, the other all the afternoon games and the night game. We'll start keep going down that uh, in a second here. But first, there are 50 million fantasy sports players and sports bettors in the U.S., but 90% of all cash prizes are only won by 2% of players. That's because most sports gaming options were created for pros. You know, the dudes dropping loads of cash on data to find an edge over the rest of us. Not Swagger. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who simply want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Tired of losing because of one bad pick? With Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You simply create a ticket of 4 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. Your score determines your win, not the perfect ticket. You can be half right and be all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site, as much as 50 times your money. Plus, you can play fantasy football along with all the major U.S. pro sports, as well as international soccer, Formula One, NASCAR, fight sports, rugby, cricket, and even eSports. Ready to play? Visit playwithswagger.com slash rotowire to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out 
plus match your first deposit 100% up to $100. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Thanks to Swagger for their sponsorship. Here with Nick Whalen, uh, one more game in the early slate, and that is the Giants pulling the upset over the Ravens. Home upset. Team that was 4-1 and one and a home underdog. They are now 5-1. and one, uh, And this was all about just a total late-game collapse by the Ravens. Uh, I mean, the Giants stole one, I feel like they, they did. It was kind of a mm-hmm. smash and grab, but it was a smash and grab at home. Usually don't do that at your own home. Yeah. Almost never. Uh, but credit to the Giants for hanging around and being in yep. position to capitalize on that just horrific interception by Lamar Jackson late in yeah. this game. I mean, the type of plays that you just you don't see from from great quarterbacks like Lamar all that often. But I think he panicked. He you know kind of wasn't expecting the snap, picked it up, and instead of throwing it away, just kind of whips it downfield. Uh, I believe he was looking for Patrick Ricard, an, an easy interception for the Giants, and then all of a sudden they're in business. And a couple plays later, in the end zone. Uh, and, and Baltimore still had a chance after that. You know, they get the ball back with about a minute 43 remaining. Two plays later, sack fumble by Kayvon Thibodeau. Game is over. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it never felt like, you know, Baltimore had like fully put this game away, but it was the type of uh, scenario that, that we've seen them in so many times. And, that, you know, they're always kind of able uh, to, to get that key first down. You know, they're better than almost any team at, at kind of moving the ball on the ground, running clock, still being productive. Uh, so it was a shocking result. That's for sure. And like I said at the top, I... I really thought this would be the week that would be a reckoning for the New York Giants. I, I thought the Ravens were, were a, a kind of a tough matchup for them. I, I thought right. this was finally a spot for for a big letdown for New York. And, man, we got the complete opposite. And, and all of a sudden, the Ravens lose another tight game. And it, it feels like they're better than they are. But, man, they're 3-3 three and three right now. Yep. Yeah, they had that, that tough blown loss uh, against the Dolphins in Week 2. Uh, kind of similar loss against the, the Bills a couple of weeks ago. And, and now here we go again uh, against the Giants. Three losses now by a combined 11 points on the year for the Ravens. Yep. This is much like Minnesota, Miami, Baltimore outgained the giants by 170 yards, 168 to be uh, specific, but uh, you know, they, they were the better statistical team, but Mm -hmm. you know, you have the turnovers they, and they're just horrifically horrific turnovers and horrifically timed turnovers. Both. They had 10 penalties for 74 yards. I mean, you, you can't get away with that sort of stuff. You just can't. Uh, mm-hmm. They got to Daniel Jones. They sacked him four times. They forced one turnover of their own. But uh, you know what? That it just they they came up small in the wrong, at the absolute wrong moments. Yep, exactly, exactly. And you know, much like we saw the Giants do to Green Bay last week, you know, converted a ton of key third downs in that second half. They put together these long drives. I mean, even. Even if it ends in a field goal, like their second drive did, uh, took up you know, virtually the entire third quarter. They go on a 14-play, eight-minute drive. That wears on a defense, man. And, and then, you know, right after that, another 12-play drive, another eight-minute drive, uh, yep. going all the way down the field for a touchdown. I mean, that's, that to me has been the most impressive thing for this Giants team. I mean, it's not they're, – they're not hitting a ton of big plays. Um, you know, they didn't even have a 20-yard play in this game, passing or through the air. I mean, Saquon Barkley, for the most part – bottled up, did get in the end zone, but 83 yards on 22 carries. It's just been the, the ability to convert uh, with these well below average skill position players in key spots. I mean, I, I, I we got to give credit to guys like Daniel Bellinger and, and Darius Slayton and Richie James and, and David Sills and the list goes on. But yeah. on paper, at least, this is a bottom five group of pass catchers that are now sitting at five and one. It, it really kind of defies logic. It does. It, it really does. 
Uh, Wandale Robinson got his first touchdown. Uh, he's, he might be a critical add to this, you know, this team. I, we did a sneaky ads video, Alan and I did. And, you know, both Wandale Robinson and Daniel Bellinger were mentioned. They're, they're just trying to find some skill position players to chip in here. But so it's not just the Barkley show. Barkley was favoring his shoulder late in this game, almost used as a decoy a little bit until the very end. Then he was used and did the purposeful not score thing. Uh, mm-hmm. that was huge uh, for them kind of huge for us too but at least he did get one touchdown so it wasn't a complete zero for us there uh Baltimore two games in a row without Rashad Bateman I think they really miss him big time big time it it really felt like those first three four games of the year he had taken that next step um you know not maybe not toward being like a a legitimate you know star number one receiver but the closest thing that the Ravens had had to that uh alongside Mark Andrews and yeah not having him has been huge um you know led to another big game for Andrews seven for 106 and a touchdown, you know, he and Travis Kelsey at this point are lapping the field when it comes to production. I mean, especially at PPR, I mean, there's like a 50 fantasy point gap between Mark Andrews uh, and then the number three tight end, Zach Ertz. So those two continue to, to kind of run circles around everybody else. But yeah, I mean, Devin Duvernay, is, he's had some big plays here and there. He was basically shut out in this game. I, I think this is this is really the first time where it was extremely noticeable that they needed Bateman. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's other some some missed opportunities here for uh, Baltimore too. They missed a field goal. Of course, it's 56 yards off the upright, whatever. Um, but it's oh, Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker. Always like, yeah. Uh, Mark Andrews dropped a touchdown pass, and they yep. had to settle for a field goal. That I was mean, huge. It was slight. It was a slight tip on that, but it's Mark Andrews. You got to catch that, and yep. that was huge. I mean, you, know, it, you and I are standing there like, okay, fine, whatever. I would have caught that. I would. I probably would have buffed it, but um, I would not have ever been open so mm-hmm. there thus i, I would have been i would have been injured by like by the first play i ever played i, I always maintain that if for whatever reason i was on the field in an nfl game i would either fumble and or get hurt every single play oh i get broken so much the only thing yeah. is i'm so slow and people who play soccer with me can attest to this i would never get open so i would never be targeted so <laughs> hopefully is. this is something we'll never have to find out in real life i would say yeah. very likely that you and i are never on an nfl roster yeah how about the Rotowire flag football game? Uh, we should reinstitute that. We used to, we did that in Vegas two years. That's what I heard. I, I think that was before I, I joined the Vegas crew, but I would, I would love to do something like that. Even, yeah. even a pickup basketball game would be fun. Yeah. Well, that, that would, you want to see my speed there too. Um, be fun <laughs> times, but uh, all right. So there you go. Uh, other thing, note Dobbins in the, out in the second half, he was seven for yeah. 15 in the first half. Knee tightened up. Kenyon Drake actually looked good. Uh, I mean, that's got to be probative for the future a little bit there that they have to go with the guy they can trust. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kenny Drake actually looked good in this game. He was kind of one of the few positives uh, yeah. for Baltimore, which, you know, for the second straight week, got a subpar Lamar game. Um, you know, did, Lamar did have seven for 77 on the ground, so you can only complain so much. But yeah, Kenny Drake, I mean, had a couple long runs in this game, 10 for 119 and a touchdown. Um, I mean, Baltimore still ran for over 200 yards on 24 carries in this game. So they, they were productive. Um, like you said, kind of the theme of this week is one team, you know, possesses the ball, looks like the better team. Uh, but then when you look at the scoreboard at the end of the game, they're on the wrong side of it. Yeah. Uh, they draw Cleveland at home next week. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time ranking Drake. Uh, but it's a smash matchup in a week where Buffalo, the Rams, the Vikings and the Eagles are all on by, uh, mm-hmm. there's some good fantasy players that are going to be out this week. So, uh, you know, I think you're going to see some big bids on Kenyon Drake, and I'm I don't I'm not really there for that. But at the same time, any port in a storm, and that is that is your your guy to turn to this week. 
Yeah, I mean, the Browns are, are right on the cusp of being a bottom five defense when it comes to stopping the rush. Uh, you know, Chargers, Giants, Lions, Seahawks, Texans, Browns. Those are those have been the worst defenses uh, against the rush this year. So I, I think absolutely a spot for Kenny Drake uh, in the event that J.K. Dobbins is limited. But, um, you know, it's just it feels like anything can reverse week to week. You know, but there's been so many of these smash spots and then all of a sudden the game arrives and you're like, how is this not going this way? Which is a perfect segue into our next game. Yeah. Seattle and Arizona. What in fresh hell was that? That was just such a Ooh. disappointing, non unfulfilling matchup. I mean, it had the benefit of going up against KC and Buffalo, so people weren't paying close attention to it. I'm going to have to do the rewatch of this game after just to figure out what the heck went on. But uh, before we even get a response to that, there is news. Uh, Arizona is. has traded for Robbie Anderson. Huge, mm -hmm. if true. Uh, but uh, it just demonstrates, uh, you know, Robbie Anderson get kicked out of the sideline, got sent to the bench uh, <laughs> in their game. So they're getting Arizona's getting uh, DeAndre Hopkins back next week. What are they yeah. going to do with Robbie Anderson? Uh, well, I, I this comes on the heels of some more news from Adam Schefter, who you know, ten minutes ago tweeted that Marquise Brown suffered a potentially season-ending foot injury. Oh, there you go on Sunday. Uh, so I think there's right. there's some motivation to get that speed factor in there. Uh, with Hollywood, you know, potentially done for the year or at the very least seemingly done uh, for the next, you know, half the season, you would think. I mean, I, I think the best case scenario is he would probably go uh, on some sort of short-term IR. So that's probably the motivation there. I mean, obviously, it, it seemed like Robbie Anderson was going to be gone one way or another after what yeah. happened yesterday. Um, you know, that, that that's usually how those situations go. But, uh, I mean, for Arizona, if, if you're replacing Marquise Brown with uh, with Robbie Anderson, that's a pretty big downgrade. But like you said, you, you at least get DeAndre Hopkins back to hopefully get this ship right. In. This was a really weird game in the afternoon window. Um, I ended up watching a, a decent amount of it because there were only three games going on and there was really right. nothing happening in the Carolina Rams game. Uh, so when Red Zone wasn't on Buffalo KC, uh, it was on this one. And it, it feels like a letdown scoring wise. You know, the over under, I think, closed at like 51 and a half. Uh, so it came nowhere near there. But I mean, Seattle left a ton of points on the board in this game. A lot of like really strong drives that ended in field goals, especially in the first half. And right. I mean, this was a really sloppy game for Arizona. You would never guess that, that they were playing the Seahawks defense. I mean, I, I thought this was no. a great spot for Arizona. I mean, Kyler Murray sacked six times by Seattle. I, Kyler Murray getting sacked at all is, is crazy given his elusiveness. He just did not have that at all in this game. Did run for 100 yards on 10 carries, but uh, took some some tough sacks on, on third downs and even fourth downs. Uh, just just an out of sorts game for Arizona. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, yeah, just the whole game. I mean, just you know, they, they Murray had that long run on their first drive, and I'm like, okay, this is delivering right away. You know, Murray had that yeah. 42 yard run. We're like, okay, it, it, it's going to get some scoring. They settled for a field goal, and those were their last offensive points the entire game. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, That's the they, they had a big fumble. Late in the third quarter, they were putting together a drive, and, and Kyler Murray, uh, you know, third and six, looked like he was bottled up, gets out of it, scrambles away, and it was kind of a Jalen Waddle type of fumble where he just kind of just squirted out of his hands right into the hands of a Seattle defender. Um, and, you know, after that, they were pretty much able to take care of business, although, you know, they, they had a punt uh, that was going to be blocked in the end zone. And for the second straight week, uh, their, their punter just declined to punt it and instead just, like, took the – uh, or you know, just basically like handed the ball to Arizona for a touchdown. So for as badly as Arizona played, they were gifted an opportunity to get back into this game on that. That was essentially ruled a fumble return for a touchdown. You know, at that point, yeah. it's a 12 to nine game. You just need one stop 
And Seattle, which at that point really had not been moving the ball at all for a few drives, is able to march down for a touchdown. And, and that was about it. But yeah, overall, I mean, disappointing game for Arizona going up against this defense, but also relatively disappointing game for Seattle because this Arizona yes. defense has not been fantastic. I mean, there were a ton of three and outs for the Seahawks in this game. Yeah, we didn't see much uh, out of DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. Uh, obviously, you know, Geno Smith not even getting to 200 yards, which, yeah, it's Geno Smith, but I, I think expectations are kind of changed places. for him now. Yep. I started yeah, him over totally Mariota in a super flex. I would have started sure. him in some single QB leagues where I needed it, but uh, Absolutely. yeah, very disappointed game. Uh, Kenneth Walker had one good size run, got a touchdown, mm -hmm. an 11 yard run, but he's overall 21 of 90 for 97. Mm -hmm. uh, only two catches, was targeted three times. What'd you make out of his first start? I thought he looked really good, um, you know, running wise. He, he had a couple runs that, you know, looked like he was going to be stopped for a two yard gain. All of a sudden he's carrying guys for a seven yard game. Um, so I, I think in terms of the eye test, he absolutely passed it. It looked to me like he was going up against a defense that knew he was going to be getting the ball 20 plus times. So there were not, yep. uh, you know, not a lot of lanes for Kenneth Walker, but overall I really encouraged. I, I think, you know, in a game where, where Seattle, you know, just kind of didn't seem to have that, that same magic that they've had offensively this season, you know, for him to still, you know, basically get to a hundred yards, get a touchdown on the ground, rip off that 30 yarder, had a couple of catches uh, for only 13 yards, but still two catches. You're not going to complain about that. Um, we did see DJ Dallas, you know, as the spellback in this game, he got 23 snaps compared to 47 for Kenneth Walker, but mm -hmm. I still feel really good about Walker the rest of the way. Too. And then I think this Seattle offense, as weird as it is to say, I mean, this is, this is, you know, really their only second letdown performance of the entire year. You know, the other one being that 49ers game, um, they get the chargers next week. That's a pretty advantageous spot to, to run the ball. Yep. Uh, 11 sacks combined in this game, 12 penalties combined in this game, just a sloppy offensive game. It was Arizona plays Thursday night, by the way. Uh, so short turnaround for them. They're hosting the saints who are really banged up. Uh, so it, it might be an injury fest. We, you know, the saints were missing their top three receivers. I think Olave will be back. He was close. Yeah. Uh, but Thomas and Landry haven't been close. Uh, no. no, looks like no Hollywood Brown Hopkins coming back. Finally, we'll see what happens with the Arizona, but both offensive lines kind of stunk in this one. And that that's kind of the problem. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But uh, I think you'll see like the saints running a lot against Arizona. So we'll see uh, how that goes. Uh, let's do uh, one more piece of business uh, and then we'll finish up the slate for this week. Football is officially back on monkey knife fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that, too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com, and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. All right. Uh, it was a small afternoon slate yet again. Once again, three games in the afternoon window. Uh, Carolina and the Rams were one of those games. So let's, 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 let's just pound this one out here real quick. Uh, actually, I mean, there's, there's stuff. I mean, they, we saw Jacob Eason make his debut. We saw oh, yeah. PJ Walker with another start. Um, it was not pretty, uh, you know, not as, as expected, they weren't able to do much in the air. Um, Christian McCaffrey was essentially the only fantasy player for the Panthers uh, of note. DJ Moore can, is just, all, all DJ Moore owners are going to the corner and crying right now because it's just they're, you know, you think Baker Mayfield was bad? Well, yeah. hello to me. 
Yeah, I I kind of thought there might be a like anybody but Baker bounce for this offense. Um, and obviously, PJ Walker could kind of an exciting player. You know, we had just seen enough for Baker that it's like, all right, just throw anybody else out there. It has to be better. It was not better. PJ Walker no. did not complete a pass uh, that traveled more than one yard in the air in this game. He had ten completions. They were all quick passes or screens. Uh, it was it was pretty disastrous. Um, but somehow Carolina led this game at the half. I mean, this was not the you know, two score convincing victory uh, that it necessarily looks like when you see the 24 to 10 final. Uh, I mean, the Matthew Stafford threw a horrific pick six late in the first half. Um, the Rams get the ball back. They yeah. immediately go three and out. I mean, this looked like a, a potential crisis situation for the Rams before they, they got things settled down and uh, ended up getting some, some big stops and a couple big drives in the second half. But still, I mean, you don't, the Panthers were so, so limited offensively in this game that I think if you're the Rams, you're, you still come out of this feeling like a little queasy about how the offense looked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of turmoil in, in Rams camp right now. I mean, their offensive mm -hmm. line, they've got one healthy offensive lineman uh, at his original position. Uh, yeah, they well, they lost, lost their left tackle in this game, too. Yeah, to no boom got hurt. Yep. Then so they're down to one of their original starters, essentially. Uh, and it shows. Uh, cam Akers is seeing God right now um, or something. Uh, they're figuring things out. Supposedly on amicable terms, but they said go away uh, at the same time. I don't think he's uh, playing another snap for this team this year. It doesn't sound like it. I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, Kyron Williams, that's your stash pickup of the week. He's not there on by this week, so you obviously mm -hmm. can't play him. And I don't even know what sort of a role Williams will have comes back, but they drafted him. Precious few draft picks. They they were big on him. And at one point, pre-combine, he was a buzzy name. He wasn't great. He wasn't great in the combine. He's been hurt. Uh, obviously had the ankle injury, but you know, I think they need some sort of explosion and Henderson's fine. But again, who knows? Because this offensive line is such, such, such disarray right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Malcolm Brown ain't it. Uh, they're trying to find ways to involve Brandon Powell and, you know, sure. That's great. Uh, but you know, they, they, they don't, they need some, some other burst from the running game. Uh, mm -hmm. They did discover that Allen Robinson exists. Uh, they did. Kudos. Uh, to that they it was more than just a fade pattern in the end zone though that's how they did score but five for 63 yay yeah this was easily the best game of the year for Allen robinson uh not only had that that fade in the end zone that's kind of become his signature route i guess with the rams it was kind of the only thing he was subsisting on for a couple of weeks but had a couple of big catches uh you know catches and runs which feels like we haven't seen Allen robinson do that in like three years uh mm -hmm. in this game so yeah that was kind of the lone bright spot for the Rams fantasy wise was with Allen Robinson somewhat waking up. So if you did, if you were in a position where you had to throw him in your lineup, that did pay off this week. Uh, but it, you know, the Rams had to resort to a, a lot of gimmicks. It felt like offensively in this game, just to move the ball. I mean, you got you had like seven or eight guys carry the ball in this game. You know, you're running reverses. A man named Ronnie rivers was involved in the game plan. Uh, their third running back. Uh, yep. You know, like you mentioned, we, we saw Malcolm Brown. We saw Brandon Powell, get involved. You know, Ben Skoranek had a few carries in this game as well. I mean, they were, they were just looking for any way to move the, the, the ball against this Panthers defense, which by the way, is not that bad of a unit. I, I think it gets lumped in to the entire Panthers disaster, but the offense has been the primary issue for the Rams yeah. this season. I mean, the defense gave them a pick six in this game um, for the most part. It, it held up, you know, until a couple of late touchdowns, but it's also difficult when, you know, your, your defense is on the bench for like three minutes and has to go right back in. I mean, the time of possession yep. in this game was 37 minutes to 23 minutes in favor of the Oof. Rams. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just not, and they moved the ball early and then that was about it. And, yep. you know, 
McCaffrey, I mean, he was their offense uh, again. Uh, you know, they didn't have an offensive touchdown though, so that makes it hard. And you know, he got he got there in yards. And if you're in a PPR league, seven catches will go a long way towards getting your your scoring. He's almost completely offense proof, uh, which is it's hard to hard to be, uh, but he is that. All right, the game of the week of the of the century uh, this week uh, was the uh, Bills and Chiefs. You know, probably the best match of the year, right? But I I think we I. You felt a little disappointed uh, a little bit because there are so many unfulfilled drives. There were turnovers mm-hmm. in the red zone. There were fourth down failures. You now some critical sacks and penalties. I mean, I think part of that's a function of the Bills are just a really good defense. And I thought the Chiefs defense actually stepped up for quite a bit of this game too. I thought the Chiefs defense played really well. Um, yeah, I think this is a game that I don't think anybody would have been surprised if it was played in the, the high 30s. I mean, even into the low 40s with how good these teams are. Um, so I think if you told Kansas City, hey, you're holding Buffalo to 24 points on your home field, you'd feel pretty good about that, right? Yeah, I think yeah. you'd expect that you would score more than 24. And, and early on, it, it looked like, you know, Kansas City would. You know, they, they go down, they have the interception in the end zone on their first possession. Just Mahomes doing a little too much, probably just need to throw that ball away uh, as he's drifting toward the sideline. Um, but both teams left a, a ton of points on the board, like you said. Yeah. I mean, the Bills had that fumble. They they go marching down on their first two drives. They have the the, the sloppy fumble on uh, the first one, and then they have to settle for a field goal on the second. Um, you know, their third drive of the game, they once again march all the way down inside the Kansas City five-yard line. Uh, didn't love the play call there, uh, although Isaiah McKenzie, he had a rough night, a uh, rough yes, afternoon, I should say. I, I, it almost looked like he kind of, like, tripped or kind of tensed up a little bit. It wasn't it wasn't a perfect throw from Josh Allen, who was under duress, but very catchable. And McKenzie, his body just kind of didn't cooperate uh, with what he needed to do there, but I mean, clutch, clutch plays from Buffalo in this game. They, they get the the long touchdown before the half. And then, of course, you know, Josh Allen, uh, you know, converted a fourth down, converted another key third down on that final 12-play drive uh, before hitting Dawson Knox for a really tough touchdown on a second and long. So you got to yeah. come away really impressed with the Bills. And then, you know, especially their defense. You know, they, every single person in the world watching this game, when Buffalo scores with a minute four left, just saying, oh, boy, this is way too much time for Patrick Mahomes. And all of a sudden, you know, two minutes later, two plays later, the game's over. It was kind of a shocking end. It was. It really was. Uh, they used Devin Singletary quite a bit. And this one here, 17 for 85. He actually looked pretty good. Uh, and four catches as well. You know, Zach Moss was inactive uh, for this game. I thought maybe they'd reveal a little more James Cook. That didn't happen. Two carries, uh, no targets. Uh Khalil Shakir with McKenzie back only had two targets, a lot, lot fewer snaps. I wanted to see more Shakir because he can play. Uh, but yeah. and maybe McKenzie's struggles might encourage him to play Shakir more after the bye. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, mm-hmm. They do get the bye this week. The Chiefs have to go on the road to face a desperate uh, 49ers team. Uh, Going to be uh, three and three, really uh, kind of in a in an angry spot. You know they're going to be geared up for this one. There's no doubt about it. Chiefs often take teams' best shots. They took the Colts' best shot earlier this year when their other loss. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. But uh, I, I think the Chiefs have a problem stopping the pass. Uh, can the Niners exploit that? I'm not so sure. But, uh, you know, top receivers for opposing teams are going for 100 yards almost every single week against the Chiefs. Yeah, they are. And against the Bills, you know, I think that's acceptable for sure. Um, you know, just a really difficult team to, 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 to keep under wraps. But, yeah, that, that does kind of seem to be the hindrance for this defense right now. And I thought they did a good job against the Bucks a couple of weeks ago, did end up allowing a decent amount of points in the second half of that game. Uh, but, you know, that Raiders game last week, a little bit concerning, certainly, what Devontae Adams was able to do. Sure. 
Uh, your boy Juju actually had a big game, sure got did. in the end zone, five for 113. You'd like to see a little bit more volume, but you know he really was efficient with it there. Edwards Lair was bottled up. Uh, nobody else really contributed much. The running game was kind of absent. Uh, and, you know, Miko Hardman scored, actually had a couple other nice plays. But all in all, I mean, it wasn't a bad game by the Chiefs. Mahomes went for 338. Did you get sacked three times? It threw those two picks, including the late one there, which was just a all in a, a really good, you know, a bad throw by Mahomes, but bad in that he didn't see the zone. He didn't see the guy coming across. Just a, a shocking play by Mahomes, right? I mean, that yep. for, for, for most quarterbacks, you would just kind of say like, well, you know, great play by the defense. But Mahomes, especially the way he had been manipulating, you know, the entire game, it just felt like he really had it. I mean, he had it going. Um, I Coming into this game, I actually thought Buffalo would win a little more convincingly. I, I thought they would be really determined, you know, to, to avenge that loss last year. I, I thought it could, you could see Kansas City having a bit of a letdown in a game where the other team clearly values it more than you do. But that was not the case. I mean, KC came out. They, they looked like the better team, I thought, for most of the game. You know, I, I, I kind of found myself regretting uh, betting on the Bills. But, yeah, it turned out uh, in the end that, that they were able to pull it out. But I, I, along with the rest of America, thought for sure the Chiefs were at least going to have a chance to score a touchdown on that final drive. Yeah. Big thing here, too, is uh, puts Bills in the uh, commander's seat there for uh, home field advantage for the playoffs, mm-hmm. which, you know, you know, Chiefs traditionally are the, you know, host the AFC championship game. Now that's now always been a right. formula for success as we saw last year. And we saw with the the Pats uh, three years ago. So, uh, or four years ago, excuse me. Uh, but point is, you know, it, it's going to, we may have a slight changing of the guard in terms of uh, like, who's going to be the favorite going through uh, final game Eagles six and zero now on, uh, on Sunday night. Once again, first half 20 points. Second half, six points. This wasn't a huge offensive performance for the Eagles, but they did come through at the right time. Uh, The defense really stepped up in this one, made Cooper Rush look very ordinary in this game. Yeah, this was the the Cooper Rush kind of turning back into a pumpkin type of game. Uh, And, you know, all three interceptions. One of them, I I think the last one he was kind of hit as he threw, uh, ended up going way short uh, to CeeDee Lamb. But, yeah, first two interceptions were were, were kind of uncharacteristic, really. Uh, from what we've seen from Cooper Rush, who's been the ultimate game manager for the Cowboys prior to this game. But yeah, you said it. I mean, this this got way dicier than we ever thought it would when Philly's up yep. 20 to nothing late in the first half. Uh, I walked away. I you know I started doing some some NBA stuff. All of a sudden I look at it, it's 20 to 17 after a long touchdown drive uh, by the Dallas Cowboys. But big time credit uh, to the Eagles for responding at that point with a touchdown. I mean, they, they absolutely needed to go down and not get a field goal, but get a touchdown because it felt like all the momentum had transferred over to the Dallas yep. Cowboys. They were running the ball. Well, they were, they were kind of beating up the Eagles defense for a couple of drives and uh, in steps, Jalen hurts, you know, really, really steady uh, 13 play drive converted three separate third and shorts uh, and then hits Devonte Smith for at that point, you know, kind of felt like the dagger touchdown Philly goes up by nine uh, with seven minutes left. And then, you know, that's when we get the, the Cooper rush final interception, to seal it. But I, I do think if you're Dallas, you come away feeling okay about this, right? You say, look, we, you know, we battled back from down 20 to nothing. We were down three. And then our backup quarterback threw his third interception of the day. I, I think it's pretty easy if you're Dallas to convince yourself that you have a really good chance to win this game. If Dak Prescott is healthy and under seven. Yeah. And it looks like he's pretty close. Uh, we'll see what happens this upcoming week. It quiets all the talk about whether who, who should start going forward though. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas hosts Detroit next week theoretically a pretty good get well game uh offensively at least so uh we'll, we'll see how that happens but a pretty big spot for them to be able to turn around they're still four and two 
Uh, they just happen to be in a bad spot in the division now that they're two games behind and one game in hand mm-hmm. against the uh, against the Eagles, who now gets a rest on by this upcoming week. That last interception, uh, Gardner Johnson, pretty sweet pick. Oh yeah, really nice pick by him. Um, I, I do think if you're Dallas overall, you'll take it. You'll say, look, all right, Dak Prescott gets hurt in the first game of the year, and we go three and one without him. I, I think you're I think you're okay with that. Um, the one loss, especially coming to what might be one. the best team in the league. Right, four and one. Excuse me, yeah, four, four and one, one. Uh, yeah. without Dak Prescott. This is basically the best case scenario. Um, and even you know the loss to Dallas, you, like or the loss to Philly, like I said, you don't feel that bad about it. I, I want to ask you, where do we start talking? Uh, you know, p- potential can they go seventeen and zero for the Eagles? And the way that this NFL season has gone, I'm like fully expecting them to somehow lose at home to the Steelers next week. But here are their next few games: Steelers, Texans, Commanders. And that's in two Bulls. weeks. Packers. Yes, they're they're on by and then the Steelers. Yes. Um, I mean, they're going to be I don't I don't see a game where they'll be underdogs the rest of the way. I mean, at Dallas in week 16, uh, we'll see where where those two teams are at at that point. But I I think they'll be they'll be considerable favorites in 80 percent of their remaining games. Yeah, the the Colts games in Indy. Indeed, yeah. did beat the Chiefs for crying out loud. So, uh, and yeah. by the way, the we were talking earlier about how the Colts are in trouble. They're three, two, and one now, uh, mm-hmm. and they get a rematch game against the Titans this upcoming week. Huge game in the division, and they're going to be basically done with their division games. I have one Houston game later on, but uh, massive game for the Colts, and what a turnaround they, they they're they're this mirage team. But here they are, three, two, and one in a decent spot. I mean, at the Cowboys. Cowboys might be favored in that one. We'll see. It's a long way away. That that's all the way back on Christmas Eve, though. We're talking here. So yes, it is a friendly schedule. They're tough. Their toughest games are at home. Packers and Titans are at home. They have a home and away still with the Giants. Those are huge games, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but this is yeah. You know, the end. There's always a letdown game somewhere. Uh, it seems like so. I'd say very still. I mean, seventeen and zero odds are. I, I I mean, it's non-zero, but it's less than five percent yeah it's just interesting because there's not an obvious you know it's like they don't play like at buffalo in week 12 or something like that it's just you kind of have to say like yeah on balance they're going to get tripped up by someone but when you when you take a look at each individual game it's hard to say like yes the eagles will lose to that team um i mean yeah they go in, they have to play the giants twice uh suddenly those look much more difficult than they did a few weeks ago like we said at dallas that'll be tough they get the saints late um maybe green bay has things turned around by the end of november who knows yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, big thing for them too is they just they get this week here to get healthy. I mean, they they were starting to get a little banged up. Their offense has started to slow down just a little bit. So you know, I think for them, it's it's pretty big deal there. Just that they were able to get uh, you know to get through this, get that big win against one of their two big division rivals, and you know lick their wounds a little bit here. So like getting a healthy Jordan Mailata is is something that's probably really big for this team. Uh, mm-hmm. He he played, but you know, I don't know if he was at a hundred percent. This offense certainly wasn't as dynamic as it was earlier in the year. So, uh, you know, they, they took advantage of some short fields uh, and they got what they needed to get done. Now they get to go rest. I think it's perfect timing for them. Yeah. I mean, good Dallas defense too. Uh, nothing changes there. So Absolutely. Uh, obviously the Eagles are a tough matchup for anybody, but uh, I think with a backup quarterback, sometimes it just kind of leads you to lower expectations for the entire team. But right. as steady as Cooper Rush had been coming into this week, it's the defense that that's really been keeping the, the Cowboys afloat without Dak Prescott. And, and overall, you know, obviously had some letdowns in the first half, but uh, it, it was another encouraging performance. I mean, this, this defense, especially with the Bucks taking some steps back, I, I think Dallas to me is probably 
the most impressive defense that we've seen wire to wire so far. Uh, absolutely about that. All right. Uh, any other takeaways uh, from this week before we sign off? We had a lot of them. No, we, we hit everything. That's the benefit of going game by game. I, I did just see a note that the, the Cardinals uh, looks like they have lost their starting left guard, Justin Pugh, uh, another injury to monitor. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it looks like a, a fear of a season ending injury. So he'll almost certainly, you know, remain out Thursday uh, against the saints and likely for the entire year. But um, yeah, I mean, we got to move quickly uh, with, with the way the NFL schedule goes. It's fun recapping these games, but we're a couple days away from, from having to prepare for, for saints at Cardinals. Yeah, and Cardinals, so much going on there. We'll, yeah. we'll be tracking uh, Hollywood Brown. Certainly going to be missed this week and possibly season ending there with that foot injury there. Mm-hmm. So brutal, brutal injury as far as that goes. All right, big thanks to No House Advantage for uh, hosting all of our football podcasts throughout the season. Uh, we are going to sign off here for now, but we got Joe and Jake tomorrow at the free agent uh, uh, podcast and a lot to talk about with Arizona for sure. They'll weigh in on Robbie Anderson uh, at the very least there, and we'll see a little bit more as we find out more. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great day.